Well, welcome. Did everyone have a good fourth? Really, really wonderful, amazing time. Um, have you ever done something just really dumb and you knew before you did it, it was going to be dumb? And, and, and even like, this is going to cause me bodily harm, but yet somewhere in your mind, it just doesn't register. Okay, so this week, I'm working, trying to build a part of the deck in my backyard, and I'm framing out this one section, and uh, I'm putting a joint together, and I have my hand right here and the nail gun right here. And I'm thinking to myself, probably not a good idea to have your hand right there. The second that thought goes through my, my brain, of course, I pull the trigger and shoot myself in the hand with a nail gun. No point to that story at all, other than to say, don't do dumb stuff, and you won't get shot with nail guns. Okay, we are on a journey through the Bible. We've been going kind of book by book and uh, looking at some things. We're starting in the New Testament and kind of uh, working our way around, and we are at 2 Corinthians uh, this morning. So if you want to turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, if you don't have it, it will be on the screen. 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. Okay, a few things. Uh, 2 Corinthians is a little bit different from some of the other books that you read in the Bible. In the sense that you, you can read this book, and you start reading it, and you're kind of going through it. But there's this sense of, I don't quite understand what's going on. It's a little bit disorganized. It seems like the writer's just kind of jumping from kind of topic to topic, not really exactly sure what point he's trying to get across here. Uh, kind of completely different from the Gospels. So we open the Gospel, and it's this natural flow. There's the birth of Jesus. There's his life and his teachings, his death and his resurrection. So there's this natural flow to the Gospels. But that doesn't happen in Second Corinthians. Um, it's kind of like those movies that you watch and you don't understand the beginning until you get to the end. And then there's all of a sudden this moment at the end where, oh, like, have you ever seen the book of Eli? It, where this, it's Denzel Washington movie and he's going through the whole movie and he's kind of protecting this Bible and you get to the end and all of a sudden it's in Braille and you're like, what? He was blind the whole movie. If you haven't seen it, I just ruined it for you. But <laughs> Hey, he's blind, you know? And so all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, all of this stuff that was happening throughout this whole movie, now everything kind of makes sense. And so 2 Corinthians is kind of like that. It, there's all these things that Paul begins to talk about and he discusses. It seems a little bit unorganized because of and it, it, it gets brought back at the end of the book. So I want to read from you chapter 10 and uh, starting with verse 1. We're going to read out of the New King James Version, but whatever version you have is great. Uh, chapter 10 and verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent am bold towards you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold, with that confidence by which I, entitled, which I am entitled to be bold against some, who thinking of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the, king, the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. For even if I should boast some, somewhat more, may boast more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. Least I seem to terrify you by my letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters, then we are, ab- we are absent. Such we also be indeed when we are present. For we dare not classify ourselves or compare ourselves with others who's committed themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they are not wise. Okay, a little bit of a tongue twister there. Um, What's happening here? Okay, first of all, rewind. Let's remember. We like to look at the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. These are letters to these churches at Corinth. Uh, 1 Corinthians actually isn't 1 Corinthians in the sense that it's not the first letter that Paul has written to this church. It's actually a letter in response back to this church. So Paul has previously written letters. The church at Corinth have written back to him, and now Paul writes this letter back to them in which we call 1 Corinthians. Now, there could have been many other letters. We have no clue, uh, but this is the one that made it into scriptures. Now, again, here is another letter that Paul is writing back into response to this church at Corinth. And this is what's happened. They've gotten these letters from Paul, and they're, they're saying, listen, there's, there's this group that's rising up against them saying, listen, his, his letters, yeah, they're weighty and they're powerful. But remember when he was with us, like he, he was weak and he couldn't, he couldn't even really speak good and, and all of these things about Paul. And so there's this, this minority inside the group that have become very offended at Paul they're, because they've made this request. They're constantly writing back and we, Paul, we want you to come and see us. But Paul's written them and said, listen, there's a door that's been opened for me, and I have to stay where I'm at. As a matter of fact, he writes 1 Corinthians from Ephesus, and he stays there for three years. Well, he continues getting these letters from the church at Corinth saying, hey, Paul, we want you to visit us. And Paul's saying, listen, I can't make it right now. But this is what Paul does. He sends Titus. And this offends them. Because wait a minute. We wanted Paul. We were expecting you, but we got Titus. This isn't what we asked for. So there's this group that begins to rise up against Paul, and they begin to question two different things about Paul. And so this letter in 2 Corinthians is responding back to the church at Corinth, and Paul is going to defend two main things. One, he is going to defend his authority. Because the first thing that, that gets questioned about Paul is, well, is he really, you know, is he really from God? 
Matter of fact, because we get his letters, and his letters, man, they're weighty and they're powerful. But remember when he's with us, you know, he's, he's really a weak individual. And so the first thing that Paul is going to address is his authority. Uh, but he's gotten news back from Titus. And the news from Titus is this. Listen, it, after you've written this letter to, to Corneth, some people have, have heeded your words. And they're listening, and there's repentance that's going on. Because in the book of 1 Corinthians, there's two major things that Paul is dealing with. One is the sexual immorality in the city. And two is the divisions among them. That there are people that are breaking up into these groups and saying, listen, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ, I'm of this guy. And so they're kind of breaking up into what would be back then what we would call our denominations. The ones that follow this one, this one. And so they're kind of warring against each other. And Paul's writing this letter and he's saying, listen, is Christ divided? No, I don't think so. We're all one. And he's saying, listen, Paul, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. It's Christ. It's Christ that's doing this work in you. And so the, there are people inside that city that have read his letter and have said, you know what? We need to repent. We need to turn from these ways. We need to listen to these things that Paul is saying. And things are getting better. But there are those that repent, and then there are those that get offended. Now, the Bible says, says in uh, Proverbs, I believe it's for, in chapter 18, that a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Now, have you ever met someone that's offended? Let me put that in modern-day language for you. Someone that is offended is, offended is very hard-headed. You know what I'm talking about? We've all been there. Either we've met the person that's been offended, or we are the ones that have brought the offense. And it's that kind of moment where all of a sudden you're reverted back to high school. You know, where you were best friends just a day ago. Oh, we're BFFs. Oh, we're hanging at the movies, we're going to the beach, we're going on vacation together. But then all of a sudden, somebody does something, and this is just the worst person in the world. Oh, did you hear what she said? Or they did. And I can't believe they did this. And all of a sudden, this friendship that you just loved has turned into, well, they're the worst person, and they are the enemy. All because they've been offended. And so this letter has come to the church in Corinth. And they're keep on, and they're requesting Paul. And Paul says, listen, I can't make it. But here's Titus. And some of them are like, ah, man, we didn't want that guy. We wanted Paul. Because now they're offended. And so they're breaking off in these groups. And they're, they're really beginning to question Paul's authority. Two main things that Paul is addressing in, in this book. First one, his authority. I want to read a few scriptures from you for you. To kind of give you Paul's defense in these accusations. First one starting in chapter 1 and verse 7. And our hope for you is steadfast. Because we know that as you are partakers in the suffering, so also will you be partakers of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble which came to us in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even our lives. Yes, we had the sentence of death on ourselves, that we should not trust ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Uh, Now flip with me over to chapter 6, and starting with verse 3. Now we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulation, 
in needs, in distress, in stripes, in imprisonment, in turmoil, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fasting, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as known and yet well-known, as dying and yet behold we live, as chastised and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. One more in chapter 11. Chapter 11 and starting with verse 25. Now three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils and waters, in perils of robbery, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, perils of false brethren, in wilderness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides all of these other things, what comes upon me daily by deep concern for all of the churches? Think about that for a second. All right, Paul is writing this letter. He is writing this letter defending his authority. Now, if you, people were beginning to come against you, say you're in a position of authority, what is our kind of natural instinct that which we want to respond with? Well, Paul could have given this whole list of all of the accomplishments that he had done in his life. He was like, listen, do you guys not know that I was raised in the house of Gamil? I was, I was tutored underneath this Pharisee that was just a, a famous Pharisee, and, and I know the scriptures inside and out. He says, do, have you not heard of all the miracles that have taken place through my ministry? Have you not known that even Peter, which he was a big deal back then, even Peter... He blessed us and he sent us out. All of, the, all of these accomplishments that he could have listed. See, there's a part of us, even whenever we have to kind of stand up for ourselves, that we want to kind of list the reasons why we're qualified to do what we do. Well, do you not know that I went to school for eight years and I got a doctorate's degree and, and I've done this? And do you not? And so there's all of this kind of within us that wants to say, this is why I am qualified. But you want to know how Paul shows that he's qualified? He says, listen, do you see all of the suffering that I've done for you? I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've gone hungry. I've been thirsty. And I've done all this. I've I've been left for dead. This is what qualifies me to do what I do. Because I love you. And it's such a picture of Christ. That Christ so loved us. That while we were yet sinners. See, he could have done and said, listen, do you, you want to know my list of qualifications? <gasps> Creator made you kind of a big deal. Can speak words and form earth and oceans. But no, he stepped out of heaven and into humanity and became flesh and walked among us. Um, being the 4th of July, I was looking on the Internet and I found this picture of these soldiers that I wanted to share with you. 
And I just saw this and I thought, you know, this is kind of what Paul is writing and he's saying. You want to know my authority? He's saying, because the reality is I've been both of these guys. I've been beaten and broken and hurt and I've done it for you. And I've also been the one that's gone into the action to carry you out when you were beat and broken and hurting. See, Paul started this church. He put his life into it. Matter of fact, later on he tells us, listen, there's certain, certain privileges that he would have as an apostle doing what he did. And he said, listen, I forego a lot of those things. Matter of fact, I forego all of those things because I didn't want it to hinder the gospel. I didn't want it to hinder this message that God has for you. And I'm going in, and that's what Christ did with us. He came in and he pulled us out. when We were broken and we were beaten. And we do the same thing, that we would go in and help others come out. See, our authority doesn't come from just a list of accomplishments and, and, and degrees and all these things. Paul gives these great lists of, listen, the fact is I've suffered for your sake. I've suffered not just for your sake, but for the sake of Christ. I could have listed all these other things, but I want you to know that this is what gives me the authority. The next thing he begins to talk about is, listen, it's not that it's my strength, but it's my weakness. It's my weakness that makes me strong. See, y'all are looking for, y'all are looking for the person, and y'all just want Paul. Y'all are upset that you got Titus, and, and y'all just want kind of the superstar. He's like, I'm no superstar. I, I'm a nobody. If anything, he says, I am the least of the apostles. He said, listen, there was times where I, were, I was beating Christians. I was imprisoning Christians for the sake. If anything, I'm the least, not even worthy to be called an apostle. That's what gives him some authority. It's the fact that he says, I'll go on to say that I'll boast. I'll boast not in my strength, but I'll boast in my weakness. How total countercultural is that to today? Man, that we would be ones that would boast in our weakness. See, the thing is, your weakness can really be your strength. And those areas that you think you're really strong in, they actually really can be your weakness. The ways and the wisdom of this world are backwards. See, there's a part of us that have kind of created this culture in which we say, it's okay uh, which I would kind of call theorist. It's okay as, as long as we know everything in theory. We could, we could read our Bibles. We could attend church. We could do these things. And, and, and we kind of know the right things to do, but you don't actually have to do the right things. It's kind of like it's, it's the equivalent of the education without any hands-on practice. And Paul's saying, listen, part of my ministry is, listen, I do the work. I get dirty. And part of that is the suffering that comes along with it. Um, imagine, imagine the swim coach that can't swim. Imagine me getting up, to you, up, up here this morning and talking to you on how to raise teenagers. I have no clue how to raise teenagers. Now, if you want to know how to get a two-year-old to not throw rice across the room, I'm your man. Got you covered, equipped in that area. But sometimes, see, we take the same kind of philosophy with our Christian walk. That we can kind of just like know the theory and that's enough. 
when the, when the reality is the scriptures are there and they're pointing us to, hey, this is not just the story of some other great men and women, but this is the story of people that are just like me and you following Christ and the natural outcome of following him. And the natural outcome of following Christ is that there will be persecutions. There will be some suffering because the ways of the world are completely contrary to Christ. And yet, sometimes we mark our Christian walk by the very opposite. We think that we're blessed because of, well, I'm feeling good. I got complete health in my body. Or I got X amount of dollars in the bank. Or I have this. Or God's done this. When the reality is, Paul's saying, listen, I'm blessed in all things. As poor and yet making many rich. As yet dying and yet really living. All of these things. He says, you could be blessed in everything. You could be blessed with a million dollars. You could be blessed with one dollar. You could be blessed with nothing. You could be blessed in the middle of foreclosure. You could be blessed in the middle of cancer. Think about that for a minute. Sometimes in our minds we get it so mixed up that, well, this is the stuff that marks us as Christians. And the reality is Paul's saying, listen, there's these things that come along with it. Um, there was this, uh, one last example, there was this kind of famous, I guess famous, I don't know, Facebook post that uh, a famous actress wrote. And if I said her name, you would, you would know. But she wrote and uh, she compared her life and the frustrations that she faced with the paparazzi and, and such and, and, and her popularity. She compared her life to that of being in a war and with a soldier in Afghanistan. And uh, some soldier in Afghanistan read this, and he wrote her back, and it was awesome. I wish I would I, I, I couldn't read it in church, because there was a few F-bombs and some stuff in there. But it was exactly what she needed. But she was comparing, and he was saying, you know what, you're right. You, you have to go out of your house, and heaven forbid all those people are taking your pictures. We walk down the road, and we get, my friend's, my friend's head gets blown off. Just like you, just like those paparazzi. And he gives this whole list to just kind of put her in her place. To wait, wait a minute, you need to recognize it is nothing like war. It is nothing like what you're comparing it to. Sometimes I just wonder, do we do the same thing with our Christian walk? Let's be honest, I, we just celebrated the 4th of July. I love America. I love this country. And, and no matter and I please take this for what it is. For the recession, as hard as it was, guys, that was nothing. That was nothing compared to what some of the world is going through. Some of, the, some of the world, you call yourself a Christian, you get disowned from your family. Some of the world, some of the world you call yourself a Christian, you get killed. And I, I say that not to, to take away from what, what we went through here and the challenges that we face but just to have a a little bit of a reality check we've got it pretty good we've got it pretty good no matter what you're going through there is hope guys there is hope and jesus is saying listen or paul is saying listen these things these sufferings that we've gone through we're doing it for christ's sake We're doing it for your sake. 
the passion of the Christ. This word passion means suffering. The suffering of the Christ. God could have done it so many different ways, but yet he came down and he took on this cross. And he suffered among us. He knows how you feel. No matter what you're going through, he knows. He can relate. You've got crazy stuff happening with your kids. You've got crazy things happening in your body. The doctors have told you all these reports. Christ knows. It's not a theory with Christ. He's not just sitting back and reading some book or teaching from a classroom. He's been there. He's walked among us. He's with us now. And he knows. It's not just some theory. The cross shows his authority. How do we establish our authority? Do we want to do it through position, through power, through strength? Christ does it by coming and suffering alongside, by embracing weakness. Jesus said, you want to be the greatest among you? Be a servant. You want to know what true leadership is? Be a servant. So these things Paul is addressing, 2 Corinthians. First thing is his, his authority. The second thing that comes up that these people that are offended is the issue of money. So if we would turn to 2 Corinthians and chapter 9. Now, I'm going to uh, go verse 1 and then I'm going to skip down to verse 6. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is surplurvy, I can't pronounce that word. Somebody tell me. Oh, y'all can't pronounce it either. I feel good now. Superfluous. See, y'all are all stumped. I feel so much better. Wow. I know I'm not supposed to compare myself, but knowing the fact that y'all can't read either. Feeling like a million bucks right now, which is going to be my point later on in which we shouldn't compare ourselves to others. But thanks for making me feel better. Superfluous. All right to you. Now in verse 6. But I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that has always that has always have all sufficiency in things may may have an abundance for every good work. It, it, It goes on. Here's the thing. They, um, Paul is going around. He's taking these missionary journeys inside Jerusalem. There is a lot of poor people and Paul is taking a collection for the poor in the, in Jerusalem. This church in Corinth has made a promise to give and donate to this cause in which Paul is collecting for. Remember now some have become offended. And so now first is authority is questions. Now they are questioning what Paul is doing with the money. You know, natural. You know, so here's some here's something funny. First Corinthians dealing with division and sexual immorality. Second Corinthians dealing with authority and money. Three things that is the downfall of most churches here in America. Sex, money, power. Sex, money, power. These are the three things when people get offended, they will begin to question those things. These are three things, three areas in which people are often fall, fall to. Now, we can look at the sex, and we can look at the money, and we can look at the power issues, the ego tripping and all that. But we kind of forget about 
the division. See, these three things stem off of the fact that we first become divided. See, you, have to, you, you become divided, and these three things are a natural outworking of, be, of that division. That, hey, all of a sudden, there, there's a, div- a division, and I'm dividing my wife, and so I'm now I'm looking with this other woman. Or we've become offended, and now money has become an issue, and so now we're dividing this. And, and all of these other things, the same thing with power. All of a sudden, we begin to compare ourselves with one, one another, and, oh, we begin to puff up with pride. And so there's a division because I'm better and you're not. And this is the early church. Everybody says, listen, I just wish church could be like the early church. It is. We've got the same problems. Sex, money, and power. It goes to people's heads. People deal with these things. And Paul's saying, listen, as part of my defense for this, I want to let you know some of these things that I went through. He's saying, there's certain, as this minister of the gospel, there's certain things that I'm entitled to. I didn't even take those with you. You know why? Because I didn't want to hinder the gospel. There's some things about this church that I want you guys to know. Whenever we first started it, we knew that money was a big issue among people. That, that there have been churches that have taken advantage of and that have used it wrong. And we said, we are not going to ask anybody for one dime. We're not going to do any of those fundraising deals and all that stuff. And you know what we did? We went out and got a Visa card and loaded that bad, o- bad boy up. <laughs> and we, so we had two big funders, Visa and MasterCard. And they were, they were happy to fund the church. No problem. But here, here's the thing. You know, I kind of I ran out of Visa MasterCard room. Chris went out and gets Guitar Center card. We maxed that bad boy out too. You know how much Chris gets paid? Nothing. Kyle, our worship leader, he's been here for four and a half years. You know how much he's gotten paid? Zero. As a matter of fact, it cost him money. All this equipment, that's his. He pays for all that. It costs him money. Tim, whenever something breaks, our bass player, whenever something breaks at the church, he's fixing it. He's constantly doing stuff. All this stuff that he builds. And, and I'm constantly telling him, well, just, you know, we'll pay you for it. Just give me the bill. I haven't seen a bill yet. And Kathy that does the books. And so many other people, so many people that are volunteering with the kids. And we do this. And I want to say something now, too, that I don't want you to take this as Lucas being prideful or anything, but... Just as Paul is telling these people, I want to tell you some things too. The first year that we started the church, my salary was $6,000. Out of that $6,000, I gave $4,000 of that back to the church. We've been in a church for four and a half years. My second year, my salary was $14,000. I gave half of that back to the church. I worked three jobs. I still work three jobs. Because I don't want anyone to ever say, Lucas is doing what he's doing for money. I do what I do as unto the Lord. And here's the thing with money. It's so easy to want to kind of control it. It's so easy to kind of say, well, I want to be in charge of it and do all these things. We have got to use it as unto the Lord. Because if you're just giving to a church, you're going to get really burnt out with that really quick. If you're just giving to, well, this cause in Haiti or these things... The world is full of poverty. The world is full of hurt. The world is full of mistrust. The world is full of people that will steal from you. But if you give as unto the Lord, it changes everything. It changes everything about money. As unto the Lord. And Paul's saying with these things, listen, I want you to know that what I'm doing, I'm doing as unto the Lord. That 
I, I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, I want, I want to have lived a generous life. To know that I've given far more than I've taken. Uh, quick story. There's this particular family. Uh, they're not here this morning. But they have just been so generous to the church. Um, and not just to the church, but they've been so generous to, to myself and just my family personally. And they're just always calling and just, hey, Lucas, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Does the church need anything? Uh, what's happening? H- how can we do? You know, it's just a huge, huge blessing. Uh, well, well, they're here this week for the fourth, and they got their family in town, and their son-in-law is here, and, and, and his wife, their daughter, and, and we were talking just a little bit about some things, and we were telling about how we're getting ready to start this work project where we're filling this uh, uh, trailer full of tools, and we want to go out to the community and just kind of fix some roofs and put some drywall up and just kind of bless some people in the community. And we, you know, didn't think nothing about it anyway. Uh, the son kind of Son-in-law pulls me over to the side and says, hey, I just want to let you know, um, I have this huge trailer, and I have it full of all of these tools, and I want to give it to you. I mean, and we're talking like huge, huge. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, we, we really couldn't accept this gift because just for different things, um, it, it's actually out in Washington and for, for different things. But here was what's, here's what's so cool about it, just the fact that he wanted to give it. I, I, I mean, I was almost in tears. I was saying, listen, dude, just the, and, and I began to think about, you know, his wife. And, and I just thought how, how as the father, he's cultivated through years that spirit of generosity. That now even in his children and his son-in-law that they want to give to, that there's a need. And, and it was just so beautiful. And, I, and all I could do is think to myself is that's how I want to be. I want to live in such a way that my daughter grows up the same way, that she just wants to give to. She just wants to live generous. She just wants to, hey, how can we help? This looks like a good cause. You know, there's this scripture where Paul says, listen, those who sow sparingly reap sparingly, and those who sow bountifully reap bountifully. See, we, we can reap in all different types of ways. I don't know about you, but just reaping a bounty of having an entire church full of generous people. Wow, you can't put a dollar amount on that. You can't do it. Generosity has sown its seed from this man into his family. And they're going to sow it into their kids. And I think that's how we're going to change the world. See, sometimes we have this idea of like, we just got to do all these things. And the reality is, you just got to live it. You just got to live generously. You just got to live at peace. You just got to live a life of forgiveness. You've got to live a life that says, you know what? I don't care what you've done. I'm not going to get offended at you. I'm not going to be offended. I forgive you. And sow that into our children. And sow that into our friends. And sow that into our family. That we would reap a bountiful harvest. These things are happening at the church And Paul starts the letter off how he does so many other letters. And he says, listen, grace and peace to you. In the middle of the letter, he says, grace and peace to you. At the end of the letter, he says, grace and peace to you. Here's this thing about grace. Sometimes we look at grace and we think grace just kind of covers up our sins. It does so much more. Grace empowers us. 
You want to know how you're going to live generously? By the grace of God. You want to know how you're going to be a good father? You want to know how you're going to be a good husband? By the grace of God. The grace of God will empower you to do these things. Those dreams that you have in your heart, you know how you're going to accomplish them? By the grace of God. Grace will empower you. And so grace and peace. Peace. You can't put a price on peace. There, it, it, it's like peace is that warm blanket that when everything is going wrong, I don't know how to describe it, but just I have peace. It's that moment where Jesus is sleeping in the midst of the storm. Why? Because of peace. Let's not trade that grace and that peace for the ways of the world. The ways of the world say, well, you've got to have everything your way. The ways of the world say, well, authority's done because you have this degree and you have these qualifications. Grace says it's because you're really weak. And he's strong. Grace says the money that we give is as unto the Lord. And God, whatever you want to do with it. Let's pray. Before I pray, just with everyone with a moment, with their eyes closed. Maybe you have found yourself offended. Maybe you feel that you've been wronged in some way. Kind of like this church in Corinth. You were asking for Paul and you got Titus. You've been asking God for something and he sent you something else and you are unhappy. It is not what you expected. Lord God, I pray your grace fall on us. Forgive us, God, for that offense. Lord, we are grateful. Lord, we are thankful. We thank you for your, for your grace. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your forgiveness. And just like Paul humbles himself in this letter, in this letter Lord God, we just want to humble ourselves before you, God. Say we are yours. Or any authority that's been given is because you first given it to us. Every dollar that enters our pocket, Lord God, is because you've put it there and it's ultimately going back to you. Lord God, we just thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your empowering grace that takes a man like Paul that was beating Christians and uses him to change the world. That, God, you can use us too. You could use these weak frail individuals that none of us can pronounce the word for flivious or however you say it and you can still use us Lord God we thank you in the powerful powerful name of Jesus we pray and everyone said this has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church a community of faith hope and love for more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. All who are weak All who are weary Come to the rock Come to the fountain 
Come to the sea.